Bible with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 9, and we're in this series on the walk of love, the walk of love, and we, we started talking about this, how in John 13, Jesus, he's about ready to go to the cross. He says it, it, that he, he knew where he was from, and he knew where he was going, and he loved his own, and having loved his own, he loved them to the very end, and Jesus demonstrates his love all the way to the very end, when you would think that he should be preparing himself to go to the cross and everyone else should be coming around him and saying, Jesus, what do we need to do? Jesus, how can we, how can we uh, support you and partner with you at this time? And, and you know, tell us what's going to happen after this. Like, what, what do we need to prepare for? Instead of all that happening, Jesus takes the water and the basin and the towel and he approaches his disciples and when he should be the one being served, he humbles himself and he continues to serve to the very end. When it says that he loved them to the very end, he's serving his, his disciples there. And so he begins to wash their feet. No one had, had thought to do that. This would be a normal thing going into a house that you would wash your feet before you, you know, recline at the dinner table, which is how they would do it. And no one wants to be next to somebody's dirty feet. You know, this is just common. It's how you do it, but no one did it. And so Jesus begins to wash their feet. This is the, the lowest form of a servant. And he gets to Peter and he says, he starts to wash his feet. And Peter says, no, 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 Lord, you'll never wash my feet. And, and, and that's an understandable response because how, how would you feel if Jesus came in the room right now and he wants to wash your feet? You're going to sit here and say, no, 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 I should be the one on my face before you, right? Like, you shouldn't be kneeling before me. I should be kneeling before you. But yet, this is what Jesus was doing. And Peter said, don't do it. And Jesus said, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, then you don't have any part with me. And Peter says, oh, okay, well, not just my feet, but my hands, my head, wash everything, because I, I, want, I want to be all in. And then Jesus says, well, you're, you're already clean. You're already clean. You just need your feet washed. What's he saying there? He's saying, he's saying I've already set you apart. If we were to think of it in our terms and, and day, he'd say, you're already saved. You're already, you've received me. You're part of this family. But if you don't allow me to get down into the, maybe those dirty parts of your life there that you just picked up over time, if you don't allow me to get down into that, then you don't have the ability to move forward with me. You're not, you're not going to be able to go into the places that I want to take you. You're not going to allow me to do the things that I want to do in your life if you don't allow me to get down there into some of these hidden areas of your life, to these less presentable areas of your life, these covered areas, these shameful areas. If you don't allow me to love you and to address that in your life, you're not going to move forward with me. And so Jesus is just walking us through this and as, he's, as he's ministering to us over the past several weeks and through our messages, and he's talking about his love. Because every time we encounter Jesus, it's one of those times where he washes our feet. It's one of those times where he says, let me just deal with this one issue in your life. It's like during the week, sometimes when you're, you're you're presenting yourself before the Lord, and he starts to talk about that one issue that you don't really want to talk about, right? Well, what, what's happening right there? He's wanting to wash your feet. When you find that, man, why am I getting so angry about this all the time? Why am I so fired up about that? 
It's because he's knocking on your heart's door and he's saying, you know what? You got to let me wash your feet there. You got to let me deal with this issue because that's going to hold you back. Why am I so... Uh, so so hardened to where maybe is it is it a pride is, is it you know why do I resist in this area you know we we, we sometimes uh, when you become more aware of yourself right your, your your stuff your issues that's the Lord working on your heart saying let me deal with this area it's not that I don't love you it's not that you don't belong to me it's that if you don't allow me to deal with this area and, and, and wash that you can't move forward. And Jesus is continuing to do that with us, continuing to wash us through. And then he, he turns that at the end of uh, that section in John chapter 13, and he said, you saw what I just did, right? You saw what I just did with you guys. Well, I'm going to give you a new commandment. I want you to love one another even as I've loved you in the same manner that I just did, how I came and washed your feet. I want you to turn and begin to do that to other people. I need you to go, instead of, instead of hammering away at their weaknesses, their problems, their issues, their attitudes, instead of hammering away at that, I want you to come alongside them and say, hey, hey, let me wash your feet. Let me, let me help, help you with this area. Not pointing them out and shaming them, not pointing them out to accuse them, but to come alongside and say, what's going on in your heart? Why, why, what's the source of that anger? What's the source of that pain? What's, the, what's, the, what, what's at the root of that? Let, let, me, let me walk with you through that. Jesus is calling us to do that. And he said, he said, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. So he doesn't say the world will know that we're followers of Jesus because of how much faith we have. The world won't know that we're followers of Jesus because of how righteous we live. The world will not know that we're followers of Jesus because of how much we sacrifice or give. The world will know that we are his followers by the way we love one another. And I think that in the world we live in, we see a whole lot of, a whole lot of the, uh, the opposite. And when somebody you know, has the dirty feet, everybody's quick to post pictures on Instagram about someone else's dirty feet, right? To, to, to put comments and to say things and point it out and to accuse and to uh, make sure the whole world knows that my feet aren't dirty like their feet, right? And Jesus is saying, that's not, that's not us. That's not us. We're not that kind of people. We're not the ones that complain and criticize and, and tear down. We're the ones that come on and say... This is a problem, but, but I'm going to help you with it. I'm going to love you right through that. Amen? That's the kind of love that Jesus is ministering to us in this season here, and he's reminding us of it. And so as we walk through this today, I want to uh, point out another aspect of his love and, and something that drives Jesus into action, and it's, it's compassion. It's compassion. Compassion comes from a Greek word that I can't say because I don't speak Greek, but it sounds like if I was to say it, that I would be clearing my throat. That's what it would sound like. But, and I think it's fitting because the word really refers to something in your bowels. And so it's saying down deep on the inside, 
this word compassion in the Greek, it refers to down deep into your guts. There's this gut feeling on the inside. It's, it's the turning of the guts. The, the in, my innermost being, something is shifting, and it's causing me to act. Jesus moves with compassion. In Matthew chapter, what did I say, 9? Matthew chapter 9, we see this story where Jesus is ministering. In verse 35, it says, Then Jesus went about all the villages, all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and disease among the people. This was Jesus' regular pattern. He would go out and he would teach, he would preach, and then he would heal now, this is important because he would follow that pattern, and this is the most common way you see it, because he's going out and he's, he's building faith. Before he gets to the miracles and the healing, he's out there and he's building faith. He's addressing the heart. He's tearing down strongholds of the mind. He's preaching and he's letting people know God is for you. God does love you. God will heal you. God does want to answer your prayers. He's teaching and he's walking them through this. And he's getting him to a point to respond in faith. And so as, as he's doing that, and I believe that there's other people who are sharing testimonies about what he's done in their life, then he gets to the point where he begins to heal. Jesus uh, is not just a walking like miracle uh, where you bump into him and, oh, a miracle happens. We don't see that happening. There's a couple instances where we don't, we don't, uh, we don't really see the teaching, but for the most part... He doesn't just walk into a place and just start doing miracles randomly. Very often, he's teaching, he's preaching. And this is why it's so important for us to not just think that I'm going to pray and ask God for things all the time, but never pursue him and listen to him. We want to present ourselves before God because we need to build our faith to receive. Because sometimes if you're only just throwing out the prayers, but you're never engaging with the Lord, you don't know God's ways. You're missing out, and maybe God wants to speak to you as well and, and, and tell you how to step out in faith to receive. So Jesus, this is his pattern. He's teaching about the kingdom of God. He's letting people know who are uh, under the world system, under Roman control, that there's a new king in town. He's preaching the good news, the gospel of the kingdom. He's saying that though you might be in this world outwardly under another king in another kingdom, but within, there's a new kingdom. And in this new kingdom, you don't have the limitations of the outward kingdom. And he's not sitting here saying, I'm going to overthrow the Roman kingdom. What he's sitting here and saying is, I'm establishing right now a new kingdom in your midst. And that's why he's saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. And so many people would live their lives and they would feel limited by this outward kingdom, by the ways of this world that says, you can do this, you can't do this. And Jesus is coming and he's saying, no, you don't have those limitations. You're in a new kingdom with a new king. And the ways of God are not the same as the ways of man. And though he was saying it back then, it's true today that when we recognize that we are citizens of another country, that we're just passing through here, that the limitations that maybe our government or our world or our culture would put on us, those aren't the limitations that God has for you. And this is so important because he's preaching this and people are catching it and realizing, I don't have to be bound anymore. I don't have to be sick anymore. I don't have to be broken anymore. I don't have to be fearful anymore. 
I don't have to be stuck in this mindset that, that I'm only going to be a slave all my life because the Romans are oppressing me. But it applies to us today because Jesus is sitting here and he's saying, within your culture, there are limitations that the world would put on you. And, and you need to know that you are not limited to what the world would say. Amen? I look at this and I think about like how, how so often women in certain circumstances would feel like, I can only get so far, men are always favored. So my level of leadership, my level of income, my level of influence, there's this glass ceiling, so to speak. But Jesus comes along and he says, no, there's a new kingdom. And I have torn down that wall of division between male and female. And God is the one who puts one up and puts another down. And it doesn't matter if the world says you can't do this, because if God has called you to it, no man can stop you. When he opens a door, no man can shut it. You look at this and you say, it doesn't matter what your, what your educational background is. That is not your limitation. You may not be able to read well, but that doesn't matter because when you can believe God and you hear from the Lord and you step out and do the things God's called you to do, guess what? He could put you from the bottom right there to the top where you might not be the best student. But next, next thing you know, you've got people sitting at your feet learning from you. In the book of Psalms, it says, I've got more wisdom than all my teachers because your word has taught me. Your word has taught me. And so he says to those who are, feel limited because of their, their ethnic background, maybe because, because of your race and there would be an oppression there. And he says, not for you. There's no, there's no division between Jew and Gentile. There's no division of race. I've torn that down. This is so important because in the world we live in, we can look to the world's systems and say, well, there's oppression here, there's limitation here, and yes, there is, but that's not your kingdom. Your kingdom goes above that. Your kingdom goes above that. And you know what our responsibility is? It says God lifts us up, we reach down and grab others and pull them up too. Every single one of you, all the limits God is saying are broken off. And this is the kingdom he's preaching, and it's not like this message we hear in the world. And they're trying to fix things out there, but they just keep putting more and more weight on each other. When Jesus says, no, 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 I'm blasting right through all of that. Amen? Amen? This is something that, that he's going and he's preaching. And then all of a sudden, people are getting freed. People are getting healed. They don't need to be in bondage anymore. And he's ministering, and he's doing this. But then verse 36, it says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved for compassion moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Jesus is ministering to people and it's one-on-one here and it's a group he's preaching to. But then it's like he backs up and lifts up his eyes and he realizes the magnitude of the ministry and that he's limited by being in one place at one time. And his heart breaks you know what that word compassion means? It, means? it means I'm looking at you, and I don't want you to feel what you're feeling anymore. I don't want you to have to hurt the way you're hurting anymore. I don't want you to live the way you're living anymore. And that's what Jesus felt when he looked at the multitudes. Jesus has the compassion of a shepherd. He looks at people who are weary, and they're scattered, and they're worn out, and they're harassed. And he looks at that, and he says, I, I can't. I can't let this happen. I don't want to leave you like that. I don't want to see you in this situation. And so to to the greatest ability he had then as one person in one place, he's ministering to him, but he pulls back to his disciples and he says to him, the harvest truly is plentiful, 
but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus is saying we can't leave them like this. We can't leave them like this. He has compassion on those who are weary. People in our world are weary. They're worn out. They're beat up. They're weighed down. And he says, we can't leave them like that. Would you pray that God, the Father, would send out laborers into his harvest field? How are we participating in that? Are we praying? We read these things, and it's not just a, yeah, you, people have messed up. No, he's saying, but let's pray. Let's pray. And did you know when you pray, God answers, and he speaks to somebody and sends them out? And did you know this, that when other people pray, you might be the answer to their prayers? And the Lord is speaking to you and saying, I need you to move in this situation. I need you to speak up right over there. I need you to reach out over there. You're an answer to somebody else's prayer responding to Jesus' request. Because Jesus is moved with compassion. We're not trying to fix problems. We're not trying to set this world right. That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to listen to the Lord and have that same heart of compassion that loves people and wants to see him free, wants to see him healed, wants to see him whole. That's what compassion does. It, it doesn't allow you to look at that and turn the channel. But it's like when you see it and you think, I've got to do something. I've got to do something about this. That's how Jesus is with us. He has the compassion of a shepherd. Look with me in Matthew or Luke chapter 7. Here's another example of the compassion of Jesus. In chapter 7, he's walking into this town and says, it happened that he went into a city called Nain and many of his disciples went with him in a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Here's a woman who had lost her husband. And then she had lost her son. It's her only son. Jesus has compassion for the brokenhearted. And I love how it mentions this, that here she is, that she's a widow, and she's lost her son, her only son. Because Jesus knows compassion as a son, an only son. And I think it points this out here that, that she lost her only son because Jesus is able to relate in a way. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so he's looking at this woman and he's understanding the pain that she must be feeling. That, that as she's lost her son and he, he's, he's relating to his relationship with God the Father. How he gave his only son. And that there's a tremendous cost to the Father. But he did it out of love. And this woman here, she's just experienced a tremendous loss. And he looks at her, and verse 13 says, When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. He had compassion. He said, I don't want you to feel the way you're feeling. I don't want you to live the way you're living. I don't want to see you going through what you're going through right now. He looks at her, and he has compassion. And he says to her, Do not weep. Do not weep. And it's not one of those things like, like, like when I would look at somebody who's, who's hurting. I'll just use me as an example, not you. When I look at someone as, who's hurting, I'd say, tough it out. <laughs> Don't cry. That's not what he's saying. Does anybody here know somebody who would act like that? Not you. Not you. But like uh, on the inside of you, like, come on, it's not that bad. 
You know, that's just a flesh wound. That's not that bad. <laughs> then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he was dead, sat up, and began to speak. And then those who were carrying the coffin dropped him. <laughs> no, I, I don't know if that's happened, but that probably happened. <laughs> If you were carrying the coffin, and, and you know, you, you're, you're Jim over here is this dead guy, and uh, next thing you know, someone comes up and says, hey, rise, and, uh, rise up, and uh, he does. <laughs> Whoa, man, <laughs> like, I don't know what just happened. In fact, the, uh, two verses down, it says, then fear came upon all, right? Yeah, heck yeah, it would. <laughs> the dude was dead, 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 not just like kind of dead. Not mostly dead, not partially dead. He was totally dead. And now he's up and he's talking. I'm dropping that guy. I don't know what's going on. I don't want to make the wrong move, but, uh, you know, like something, something's happening right here. But I love this. And it says, um, he presented him to his mother. He presented him to his mother. Why did he do that? Was it to make a good story for us later on? Was it to, you know, teach everybody about his power? No, he had compassion on this widow that he just happened to run into. And he looks at her and he says, I don't want to see you feeling like that. I don't want to see you going through that. That's not my heart and my desire for you. He has compassion on the inside when he sees this woman weeping. His heart is moved. Think about the love of Jesus. He has compassion for those with a deep sense of loss. For those of us with a deep sense of loss. He has compassion for those with a deep sense of regret, rejection, loneliness, abandonment. The Lord looks at people and sees what they're going through, and he has compassion for them. Luke 4.18, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. He's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Like when Jesus was walking the earth, he knows what his mission is. He knows that there are people with broken hearts, and I'm here to heal them. I'm here to heal them. I think about a friend of, of ours, Julia and I, he's a friend, he's a pastor, he, he was in our wedding, uh, he's a therapist, he's a pastor to pastors, his, his role now is to um, spend hours and hours and hours almost every day working with pastors and their families just to help walk them from wherever they're at towards health. So in their marriages, and their personal life, and, and their ministry and relationships and so forth. And he gets down into the dirty parts of people's life and the hurts and the pains and the real bad stuff, as well as celebrating just the good things and the joy. But he does this every single day for hours. My wife and I have gone and seen him for several times. We got into the nitty gritty with us. I know some of you guys are thinking, you don't have problems. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I know you were thinking that. But the reality is, let me tell you something, if, if you're married, you should be getting help. <laughs> you should. Well, things aren't bad, perfect, go get help. Uh, but if, if things aren't bad, get help, and if things are bad, get help. 
Don't sit there and just uh, think that you don't need it and that you, you can do it on your own. And I'm saying that really to the men because the women already uh, believe that and they, they know that and they want it. And guys are like, well, we don't need it yet until she, you show up and the couch is gone or the doors are locked or something like that. You need it. And uh, anyways, so my, my friend Robbie, he does this every day and he meets with people and he walks them through stuff. But so often in the morning time, it, it, he'll get up, in fact, every day in the morning he gets up and he goes for a several mile walk, but he'll invite uh, people with him that he's meeting. I, I've done this with him a few times. And uh, he's in the downtown LA area. And so as he gets out and he starts to walk, as you're walking, you'd, there's still a lot of homeless people all through the area where he's walking. And he doesn't just walk by or cross the street. He'll walk right up to him. Hey, 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 Dave, how are you doing? How are you doing this morning? He knows them all by name. Hey, how's your, how's your uh, brother? We prayed for him. Have you heard any word? What about, you know, this person over here you were talking to me about last week? What's going on in, in their life? What's he, what's he do? I mean, you go through and, and he'll go into the coffee shop and he knows everybody there. And yeah, I'll just take the usual. And everywhere he goes, oh, oh this lady over here, they're, they're, from, they're from Cambodia. They immigrated over. Yeah, she lost her husband when, uh, it, when they were trying to get over. And he knows all their stories. And he ministers to every single one of them, and he loves them. And he just has compassion. And for no other reason, just to love that one person. And I look at him, it's Robbie Booth, and I look at him, and I think, you're like Jesus. Like, I know I want to be like Jesus, but if I'm not like Jesus, I want to at least be like you. Because you are the closest person to Jesus that I know. The love and the compassion that you have for people. I want that in my own heart. I want that in my own heart. This is how he lives and walks. And I think that's how Jesus was. He's not doing this to build his ministry. He's doing it because here's a person who's hurting. And, and I love them. And I love people and I have compassion. One more passage here. And it's in Matthew chapter 14. Verse Six. Matthew 14, verse 6, and, and all of these are passages that we're familiar with, most likely, but here's a story about uh, Jesus and John the Baptist, and, and it says, when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore, he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. Can you imagine that as a kid? What do you want? Anything up to half my kingdom. Uh, I want some dude's head on a platter. That's gross. And that's what, how wicked her mom was. Like, uh, if I could have anything right now. I want that one guy dead. Well, why did she want him dead? Because he told her that what she was doing was wrong. And out of her shame and, and pride, and, and she, just, she just knew, I have to destroy this guy. Nobody can tell me how to live, right? So the king was sorry. Nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl. And she brought it to her mother. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, I, how would you do it? <laughs> I'm like... I know, it's bad. Then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Why would they tell Jesus? 
Well, is that because Jesus needs to know what's happening in the ministry in those days? No, it's because John was Jesus's cousin. And there's no doubt that when they grew up, they would be together at family reunions and maybe see each other, and they would hang out a little bit. And he knew John and his family. And John, John was someone who Jesus respected tremendously and said, there's no one uh, greater in the kingdom, uh, kingdom of, of God right now, no prophet greater than, than John. This guy right here, he's the forerunner who came to prepare a way for me. He had a tremendous sense of love and respect for John. And so when they come and they tell Jesus, they're not just saying, hey, some guy over there, but he's saying somebody who is near and dear to your heart that you love deeply from the inside. This is what happened to him. And he didn't happen to die in prison, but, but Jesus, they cut his head off. They took his head off. And you can only imagine what Jesus is feeling. Sometimes people will think, well, Jesus is God, and so he would know that already, and he's kind of like uh, distant from the pain. And this is what blows my mind about God, because God can know the end from the beginning and yet very much be in the moment. And in the, you know, he knows how things are going to work out, but he feels them as if he doesn't. He can feel the pain even though he knows what the victory will be like. He looks at that and his heart breaks. Now, Jesus had just come from a time of ministry and he hears this. And so the next verse, it says, when, it, um, when, when Jesus heard it, verse 13, he departed there by, a bo- by boat to a deserted place by himself. Well, what would you do? Would you want to go to the party? Would you want to go to a bunch of activity? Or would you want to just get away and say, I've got to process this. I need a moment to collect myself. I need some time to regain my strength. I'm already exhausted. And this right here, this breaks my heart. And so he pulls away to spend time with the Father. Just like you would want to do. Hey, I I don't want a lot of activity. I just need to be alone right now. Jesus is, is doing this himself. And then it says, but when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. Jesus got in a boat and he went over to the other side of the lake. But people heard, well, Jesus is going over to such and such a place. Let's get over there. And they start running around by foot around the lake to get to where Jesus is at. Big lake. But they're putting in the effort and the time and, and, and the, the travel, the work to get to Jesus. You see, they're not sitting there sensitive to what Jesus is going through. They're not concerned about what uh, is on his mind and on his heart and what just happened. They're looking to Jesus to meet their needs. And I love this about Jesus because it says when he saw, when he went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. He doesn't look at them and say, can't you guys come back some other time? I just need a couple days. I just need to catch my breath. I'm on sabbatical. I'm, it's, it, it's, it's my day off. He doesn't do that at all. He looks at these people and he's moved with compassion. Though he's got stuff going on that he needs ministry from the Father right now, he's not sitting there saying, oh, send them all away. Instead, his response is, come here, come here. There's something about the compassion of God when, when you're engaged in ministry. If you're doing it because you're supposed to as a, as a job, or you're doing it to try to find some significance in life, or you're doing it to please somebody else, you're going to get burned out in situations like this. But when you're doing it because I love the Lord and I love the people, 
You look at the situation and say, you know what, I could push a little bit harder right now. I can give a little bit more of myself. I can step beyond my comfort zone right now because I have compassion for the people. And it says, and so he healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the village and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. I love that about Jesus. Man, he should be going away. He needs the time and the space. But he looks at all these people who to some would be a burden. He says, they don't need to go away. We don't want to get rid of them. They're fine right here. You give them something to eat. You see they have needs, you feed them. You saw what I just did, now you do something. By the way, when you read the Bible, there needs to be a paradigm shift because you can read the Bible and always look at yourself as the one who's coming to Jesus needy. And if you are in a place of need, then be that person. But don't live as that person because that's not what he's calling you to be like. He's not calling you to be the one who's always broken and always, always needy. He's not calling you to be the one who just says, if I touch the hem of the garment. What Jesus is trying to get us to the point of understanding, he said, as he is, so are we in this world. He wants us to catch this, that as he heals us, as he ministers to us and he loves us, that the script is flipped. And now when we read the Bible, we don't see ourselves as the one coming to Jesus all the time, but we see ourselves in the place of Jesus. Remember where he said this? He said, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into his harvest to do what? To do what I'm doing to do what I'm doing. So what Jesus is sitting here saying, I want you to see yourself as the one with that love and compassion. I want you to see yourself as the one who's ready to feed. I want you to see yourself as the one who's wearing the garment. I want you to see yourself as the one who, who brings the power of God to bring healing and life into the situation. That's what happens when the, the people of the kingdom uh, infiltrate this world's kingdom with this new kingdom. That's when this light begins to shine in the darkness. So what I'm not saying is don't come to Jesus for your needs. What I am saying is get your needs met by Jesus, but don't always be that person who is, who is needy in that situation, but never transfers over to the person who has something to give. Do you catch that? So when you read the Bible and you see Jesus interacting with people, don't always look at yourself as the leper. Look at yourself as the one healing. That's what, he, what, what he's trying to get us to catch. I'm not saying you are Jesus, but you are Jesus in this world, right? You are the hands and feet. You are the mouthpiece. You are the voice of the Lord. You're the, you are the body of, of Christ, you know, the temple of God. The spirit of the Lord lives on the inside of you. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And when your heart has compassion, you'll find the bread. You'll find the fish. He'll do the miracle of multiplication, but you be Jesus. You have compassion. Listen to this. Jesus never turns away those who pursue him. He doesn't. His compassion looked at these people who went all the way around, however long it took them, however hard that journey was, they were going after him, and he doesn't turn them away. He won't turn us away. The compassion of the Lord, Jesus cares about all of our needs. I like that because... Uh, what, 
eternal significance did it have for their life for Jesus to feed them that one meal? Nothing. Did Jesus talk to them about forward planning? Did he teach them about, hey, you know, I'm going to give you food and this food's going to last and you'll never beg again or never be in need again? And he didn't address any of those needs right there. He just looked at the simple, temporary need that they had at the moment and he met it. And they didn't even ask. It wasn't the people asking. And what I catch from this is Jesus cares about every area of our life. The areas that are significant that you're asking about and the areas that may not seem so significant in the light of eternity, and yet he cares about that too. Some people want to say that, you know, God only cares about the spiritual things. Jesus fed these guys for no other reason but so that they wouldn't go to bed hungry that one night. He didn't address breakfast, dinner. And they didn't even know there was a miracle. The only people who knew there was a miracle is the disciples and that one boy they stole the food from. They're the only ones that knew because the rest of them, they just sat down and they saw guys coming with baskets. They didn't know how much there was. Maybe some people started to catch on. But Jesus isn't saying, behold, I'm doing a miracle, everybody. Watch this. No. What I'm saying is, just look at how Jesus is with people. He just comes alongside. Oh, you're hungry. Let me feed you. That's kind of heart. This is important to you. Well, then it's important to me. I don't want to see you go away hungry. Would you send your kids away hungry? It's late at night, and they haven't eaten. And do you sit there and say, well, you better get on now. You don't act like that. If you do, you need to come to Jesus, because that's not right. Think about that. It's the love and compassion of Jesus. And what he's sitting here and saying this morning, I want to address some issues of your heart to where maybe there's a lack of compassion. I know um, there's times in my life that I'd look at people who are really hurting and struggling. And now I know with how warm and, and embracing I am with everyone all the time, you think he's never, he's never lacks compassion. But there's times in my life that I'm less than compassionate. <laughs> and I hear things like this, and then I'm reminded of, oh, Lord, I want to be like you. And what's he doing? He's sitting there, and he's washing my feet, and he says, I know, and this area is holding you back. If you don't let me address it, can't move forward. Because people need compassion. And you can't move forward with me because I'm going out into that crowd. And if you want to come with me, you've got to be compassionate. So let me wash your feet here. Let me minister this to you. And so this morning, we come before the Lord and we say, God, wash my feet, minister that to me. 